Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world. This is the DC Comics News Podcast, episode number 63, and I'm your host, Kelly Gaines, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Seth Singleton. Seth, say hello. Hello, hello. Hi, Kelly. Hi. And Brad Villicky. Brad. Hey, hey. Hello, hello. All right, so we have some relatively depressing news today, but also some some more uplifting stories, but we're going to start out with the general news, um, which is relating directly to the coronavirus outbreak and what's going on with conventions and DC as a whole. Um, so we've recently gotten news that WonderCon in LA has been postponed indefinitely. Um, and we've mentioned on previous episodes how much we hate the word indefinitely, um, but no word yet on San Diego Comic Con. Um, Brad, what did you think? You know, in this in this instance, uh, the indefinitely doesn't bother me so much because I'd rather have it be postponed than outright canceled, like we saw with uh, South by Southwest and Emerald City. So uh, at this point, I'm happy that they're at least going to try to reschedule it rather than cancel it. Uh, and it's just one of those things that is unfortunate as it is it's necessary and it's definitely a better safe than sorry situation so i think it's just something that we all just have to kind of roll with those punches as we kind of work our way through everything that's going on i think it uh it is an unfortunate necessity but hopefully we will still see WonderCon. and I, i i think that hopefully you know fingers crossed that um san diego is further enough down the road later in the summer that that can go ahead as as planned. So fingers crossed on that one. Seth? Well, Brad, I, I have to agree with you on the fact that, one, um, it makes all the sense in the world with the current climate and with the uncertainty we're all facing. Um, there's no sort of grasp on the scope of what this is when it comes to coronavirus, COVID-19, um, or our understanding of it. Now, I also know that we have amazing, you know, people who work in these fields, who their job is to break this all down. But the timeline for it is so uncertain. It makes a lot of sense that you would uh, postpone with the understanding of we're hopeful that we can get things back up in a timely manner and still have this year's event occur. But we also know that we don't know the timeline and we have to be responsible Um, If there's one thing I can really appreciate it is the idea that no one wants to have that recognition of irresponsibility and causing this to turn into a worse situation or have little explosions of the, you know, virus sort of break out because best practices weren't followed. So I I like the approach. Um, I, I have nothing but respect for the responsibility and the consideration for others. And I have to join your uh, your hopes that July is far enough down the line that we uh, we can still have a comic con. Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, I have to agree. Um, I think this is one of the forgivable indefinitelys. Um, it definitely is a forgivable indefinitely. Um, yeah, I think it's if anything, I'm kind of proud that. You know, we're, we're seeing it across the board with a lot of different companies and public events, um, but that comic book companies, publishers, 
uh, production companies seem so willing to sort of put aside, you know, the fact that we have to refund people and maybe disappoint fans for the interest of the public health. Um, so, yeah, it's a bummer. And hopefully WonderCon something that'll still happen later on in the year. Um, and the same with San Diego Comic-Con and all the other conventions coming up. I know um, there's a few in Philly that take place early summer, so I haven't heard anything about those yet. But, you know, we'll we'll see. And at this point, it's it's definitely for the best, considering how crowded conventions can get. And it's very shared space. Everyone touches the same things. Everyone goes to the same areas, kind of. So, yeah, it's it's for the best. So hopefully we'll still still have some conventions this summer. And so actually that segues really well into our next piece of news that DC has asked employees to work from home starting on this Monday, March 16th. Um, Brad, what did you think? I think that this is probably going to be something that we're all going to have to do as much as we can. Uh, my own personal work was uh, shut down for uh, Thursday and Friday, and usually we work today and we on Sunday when we're recording this, but that was canceled as well. But I did learn that we're going back on Monday, so I, I just think this is something that's kind of like a day at a time thing, and I think that um, I, I trust DC to make that 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 wasn't a, an easy decision to come by. But you know, once you know, like I said, it's it's better safe than sorry. I mean, we have so many delays as is on these comics. We don't want people getting sick and then having even more delays. You know, I mean, it's just there's just those it's it's definitely for the public good, I think. I and mean, it's just something that we just have to, um, you know, like I said, work our way through it. So as long as everybody stays safe, I'd rather have them working uh, from home. So. Brad, I I, uh, I was looking over this statement while I was listening to you, and I, I really just honed in on something that really seemed to focus on where you can put your best efforts. And it was at the end of the statement uh, released where it says, but we have an opportunity, or actually it says, of course, as is always the case, there will be times where this won't be easy, but we have an opportunity to come out stronger and better as we learn new ways to dynamically navigate. Um I think you really sort of gave that a, a local idea and a personal idea when you talked about how this is something you're dealing with at your job. And yet at the same time, um, there's a chance for you to go back to work as soon. I think you said Monday. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's a big thing, but it also reflects the possibility that as each company addresses how they need to safeguard their employees and their practices, there might be methods that still allow people to go to work as long as the right preparations, the right safeguards are put into place. In the meantime, I think Warner's recognizing that they don't have a plan like that. And the safest thing you can do is have people work from home as needed, as necessary. And to find ways to work in the better interest of our overall health instead of the almighty dollar. So, you know, I think this also does a really great job of going back to what Kelly was saying with the idea of I, I think the it, this kind of echoes what, what Kelly was saying. And I have to agree with it. A sense of pride, a, a sense of I have nothing but respect for the companies that are looking at the people that give them the ability to exist every day and saying, we're nothing without you. We're going to take care of you first. And then we'll worry about everything else afterwards because you're our priority. We're going to make sure you can still do what you need to do because in the end we need you. And that's a, that's a really great statement. I think this statement 
And this decision really echoes that. Kelly, what was your thoughts? Yeah, um, I actually, my job has been closed down now since early last week. Um, And I think the thing that I keep coming away with is bless the people working in IT right now, because I think every time I check my work email, it is these long threads of students don't know how to get on to do their work on on the system we're using. Teachers don't know how to get their webcams working. Mm -hmm. Some people don't know how to, um, you know, connect their home Chromebook to the the server and I'm not naming my own name for that so like it's it has been insanity and it seems like for a lot of companies um probably DC and I know for sure the company that I work for the IT staff is just working around the clock I mean I don't I don't think they sleep I think I've gotten emails answered at 3 40 in the morning from them so and it is it is very kind of daunting experience because we have no idea how this is going to work. We have no idea when we're going back. Um, you know, we know how long the the company is quote unquote closed, but we don't know, you know, there, there's still basically an air of uncertainty to all of this. So I think it's good, especially, you know, and looking at a company like DC, if things can be done online, if people can stay kind of removed from other people or removed from areas where they could get infected or could carry it home to a loved one who would be more um, more susceptible to it, that it's definitely the responsible decision. So I agree with their decision. And also, again, literally bless everyone working in IT right now. You guys are, are the real MVPs. And so if we have no more thoughts on that, we can move into movie news, um, which gets a little bit brighter. The Wonder Woman 1984 motion poster was revealed last week. It looks amazing. Brad, what did you think? Uh, it looks uh, looks great. It definitely is keeping up on that uh, 80s aesthetic that we've seen. Uh, it's just, it's it's such a well-executed marketing campaign. And this poster is just, uh, just continuing. Uh, it just makes me you know more excited for the movie. Not to bring up coronavirus or COVID-19, whatever you, however you refer to it, but hopefully also Wonder Woman won't get delayed. Uh, you know, we're seeing that some of these studios are delaying some of these movies, which kind of makes sense from both uh, a health aspect and a economic aspect. Because, you know, now, between now and, you know, mid-June is when a lot of the big movies these tentpole movies comes out and already they're uh, delaying mulan uh for instance and uh, i think uh, fast furious 9 and james bond all got delayed so i'm hoping that wonder woman that does not happen uh with wonder woman 1984 because i'm super excited uh for this uh seth what do you think i think it's a gorgeous poster um the costume is phenomenal there's Nothing like when you see something that you know you recognize from comics being portrayed in live action to such detail and degree. Um, so this is a really great high point and a great for a way for us to lead off the movie news section. It feels like it's uplifting, hopeful, all of the things that I associate with Wonder Woman. Um, Gal Gadot has continued to represent that uh, in all her iterations, and this newest one in the Golden Armor is... Well, it's it's really impressive. And again, just a really hopeful, positive image. Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, I, I have to echo what both of you guys said. This is 
such a nice image. And I love this armor. I think whenever it is that conventions start up again, what I'm most excited to see is how people cosplay as this version of Wonder Woman. Because this is going to be probably the heaviest costume anyone has ever put on. If, I mean, <laughs> That's <laughs> genius. <laughs> actual Wonder Woman strength to hold up gigantic metal wings. That's like, I kind of want to see those, you know, like there's there's weightlifters who do like Instagram pages and Facebook pages where it's like them working out, doing squats and stuff. And I just want someone to be in the middle of their routine and go, getting ready to put on that Wonder Woman costume. Huh. And then, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> that would be awesome. Like, getting fit for WonderCon. Yup. When, it, when it's done with the postponement, I'm ready for my Wonder Woman cosplay. Check it. <laughs> Doing curls. <laughs> Pulling a small car. What What is that show? The That American Ninja Warrior show where they're doing all the, the crazy, yes. like, strength exercises? This could be a whole new leg of that obstacle course put on this suit and just walk for a little bit <laughs> now there's the show that you could submit to dc universe <laughs> like it i like it yeah not only that but you have like the obstacles are like you have to sign five autographs that are somehow still looking like your signature snap like <laughs> 20 selfies with uh, with fans poster. Uh, you have to do 10 kneel downs with yeah with photos for fans <laughs> and then kneel back up <laughs> and then walk to the next <laughs> I oh, say, man. I've seen the um there's already uh photos for a pre-order of an action figure of wonder woman wearing this costume and it's already in my amazon cart i haven't gotten around to actually buying it yet but it's it's there and you know it's yeah it, i i love it i absolutely love this look it's so different than anything we've seen in the comics. Um, and I think I mentioned this with Birds of Prey, but the marketing that they've been doing lately for, I mean, both for Birds of Prey and for this movie, it's so visually interesting. I don't see how people wouldn't be compelled to go see the movie. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I hope it stays on track. I hope that we get to see it on time. And I also, you know, Godspeed to every cosplayer who's going to try to put on a gigantic metal angel suit. Best of luck. Yeah. And in, Lift with in your New legs. York, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, in New York, this poster has already popped up in certain places, uh, different places in Times Square, bus stops and things like that. And the motion looks really cool. So uh it, it's i remember walking around the city and seeing it I was like oh wow that's that's cool nice. um just that's uh cool. so yeah keep your eye out for it because it might you might see it popping up places it's uh it does look really cool right. hopefully not on any of those have you guys seen those like trucks that have huge tv screens on the back of them lately yeah i've seen a couple and i just can't help thinking that is the worst possible thing you can put on the road but yeah. I'm also thinking this this poster would look great on one of those trucks. <laughs> if I'm gonna get stuck in traffic, let me be behind that. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so moving forward to um, something luckily not coronavirus related, which we're only gonna be out of that realm for a little bit, unfortunately, but. Um, there is a clip for the Elseworlds adventure, Superman Red Sun, um, that's coming out actually, it looks like on March 17th, 
Um, what did you think, Brad? Uh, yeah, this Batman is not a Batman you want to mess with. Not that you want to mess with Batman anyway, but man, that was, uh, that was some kick-ass <laughs> helicopter takedowns. Um, yeah, I mean, this shit, yeah, I think, um, I know that Hush disappointed some people, but I think this might redeem the DC animated movie in, uh, in a lot of people's eyes if, uh, if they didn't like Hush. Uh, Seth, what'd you think? Well, I was not the biggest fan of Hush, but I actually recently watched Wonder Woman Bloodlines, which did a decent job, I thought, and had a lot of fun. And I was impressed with the fact that it went to a spot or two where I thought, okay, are they going to take this all the way to the... They did. She's She's got to fight, you know, the big bad, and there's only one way to do it. And it was an iconic moment in comics that I thought they captured well in the the animated. So... I have some hope for Red Sun based on the trailers we've seen so far and the uh, <clears throat> lethality that we've noticed from this Batman. I mean, yeah. like yeah. you said, taking yeah, down those discussion. <laughs> <laughs> you know, taking down those choppers was a great little scene. This was a great teaser. And I also love the fact that we've had this dynamic that's already building between Superman and Wonder Woman and how the clips that we've had leading up to this are showing the players as we are going to understand them more in the movie. So I think it's a really great trailer. I think it's a great clip. Um, you know, there's a <laughs> there's there's always this sort of balance. I love these Elseworld stories because in every one, there might be, you know, a Superman who, whatever the circumstances, is doing one thing that's, you know, you're thinking to yourself, wow, that's a different direction than what we know him as. And then you just have from the other direction, there's always that that force fighting against and, I love this version of Batman as I have in a lot of the other stories when he's like, sorry, man, you can be all these things, but I'm always going to be the guy who gets in your way. It's just what I do. <laughs> Kelly, how about you? I think my <laughs> the comment that has clouded over every uh, every articulate thing I could say about this is that hat. The, the bat hat, just that, <laughs> the, the hat that he's wearing. I don't know why, but Batman came on the screen and I racked up and I, I know it's it's just the fact that there are pointy little ears on that fuzzy hat is just hilarious <laughs> well this is a a batman of russia kind of Very situation true. so, so I, I i kind of got like the babushka hat in my head when i saw it <laughs> and i i've got if anything this will help kids who you know for halloween need a warmer batman costume now you've got a good one to go with but I just nice. I was like that hat. <laughs> but this this does look really good. Um, and I did get the opportunity to see Wonder Woman Bloodlines and and thought it was very good, very entertaining. And I I was nervous because the last I think it was just called Wonder Woman, but the last animated Wonder Woman um that came out I didn't like at all. I thought it was really kind of sloppily done. Um, so I I have faith in DC's animated content. And I, I always say that because they'll have some really crazy missteps, but then, you know, they bring it back with really solid content. So I have hope this looked really great. And hopefully when I'm watching the whole movie, it I won't be so struck by the fact that Batman is wearing a fuzzy hat. Um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was one of the hardest things for me to adjust to when I first did this storyline. It was like, all right, man, I get it keeps you warm, but 
the whole thing about the suit, isn't it supposed to be, okay, all right, so maybe it's like a, you know, a symbol of the people. I don't know. Like, there was ways I tried to buy in, and then at some point I just accepted it because I was like, this is just the Batman from that story. That's how I identify him. I'm done. You know, it's... it's. in that universe? What's that? It's a it's a white band. Like, was there no dark fur? He could have... It doesn't matter. It's fine. Yeah, it's a detail. Like, you can linger on it, but then if you do that, you might as well start talking about underwear and tights and just really get yourself into an issue. Well, and on that note, we're going to barrel right back into the coronavirus. Um, <laughs> and actually, this is this is good news so far. Um, it looks like Black Adam and Aquaman 2 are still on schedule um, to meet all the production dates that we've previously had. So we have Black Adam um, beginning production in August and then Aquaman 2 in 2021. Um, what did you guys think? Uh, you know, I think that um, taking it one day at a time, uh, it's, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm glad that these are still on schedule and I hope that everything can be, uh, you know, back under control so that these don't have to be delayed. Uh, it looks like Suicide Squad is in post-production, so that's we don't necessarily have to worry about things like that. So, uh, you know, f- just fingers crossed that um, everybody's OK, and that we can continue on with these and get back to our, you know, normal life as, as it can be these days. Seth, what do you think? Well, I'm certainly encouraged uh, by the fact that there's a con- still a, a sense of continuation, that there's still this feeling of, okay, we're going to, you know, find ways to press on. And that, you know, when it comes to other things that we don't even start worrying about filming with, whoop, um, we can know that we've got a certain amount of time before we have to make more difficult decisions. Um, I think a lot of people know that we've faced viruses before and we've found ways to work with them, get around them, find solutions. The timeline is the biggest challenge. So I'm encouraged by the fact that we're not giving up right now. And that's probably the biggest part that, that I'm sticking with at the moment. You know, it's, I like the fact that Black Adam and Aquaman 2 are showing a resilience that right now is something we can all sort of use the encouragement or kind of look to like, hey, not everybody's just shutting down. And even if they are modifying how they're doing things, they're still looking ahead. We haven't stopped living. And I'm really encouraged by that. Someone shared a a piece of writing by, I think it was Tolkien, and he was talking about, you know, an example of like, you know, a catastrophe. And I think his at the time was the atomic bomb. But someone said, just replace it with whatever current virus or thing you're scared of is. And he was saying something along the lines of, you know, when this event does occur, you know what's going to happen? They're going to find that we were still living, loving, laughing, being who we are, looking to the future, not stopped in our tracks waiting for the inevitable or the hopeless or something like that. So knowing that studios groups are still looking ahead in that way, I'm, I'm definitely encouraged. Kelly, what about you? Ah, Seth, you and your hope. (laughs) There's always so much hope for me. (laughs) I'm not letting go, man. I find it wherever I can. I share it. I spread it. I'm like Johnny Appleseed with this stuff. I just keep dishing. I'm like, I'm planting trees. I don't know when they're growing, baby, but I'm planting trees. (laughs) I I sincerely appreciate it. And 
and yeah, you're right. It's it's nice to see little glimmers of things that haven't been halted or, you know, that haven't, at least as of yet, been affected. Um, you know, it, it kind of makes you think there's there's an end to this, not in the close immediate future, but there's an end in sight. We will make it. We will get there. Um, yeah, so I, as of right now, they don't have delays, and that is, that's good. That's, uh, like you were saying, Seth, a reason to have hope. Although, unfortunately, now we kind of got to go the other way, because uh, the Batman has been put on a two-week hold for production. Um, so that that's not ideal. Brad, what did you think? Uh, it's It's not ideal, but you know, necessary once again. I'm just hoping that there are things that they can do in those two weeks that doesn't slow the production down, whether it's starting editing or who knows, uh, so that it can still come out on time. Um, you know, a two-week a, a two week shutdown on a movie could really push it back, you know, when they're in like the thick of filming and things like that. So, um, I, you know, it's one of those things that I just hope it comes still comes out on time and that we can get, you know, get it moving again as soon as possible. Seth, what do you think? I, I do, you know, know that there's a crucial timing factor when it comes with almost all movies. And depending on where this two weeks falls, it, it could really put a crimp on what the uh, long term production timeline looks like, becomes or has to modify to. But keeping that in mind, um this sounds like it was a developing story. Initially, it was pressing forward. And then after originally trying to relocate from London to Liverpool, it was decided, no, we're just going to shut it down. You know, the first thing that comes to my mind is, well, what's the smartest and most effective way to deal with developing news? It was probably first to move to another location that, you know, we can feel we can sort of control the environment in. And if that starts looking like that's less likely, well, then you start looking at, well, how much would it have cost for us to go all the way and still push on to this Liverpool idea? And then also, how how much would it cost us to just stop for two weeks and sit back and see what happens? And there's a good chance that this is a really smart financial decision on top of, well, if we stop, we also can guarantee the increased safety of our staff and the logistics of getting materials, because right now there's all sorts of restrictions on travel. This could have been a really smart play just to think about the fact that you could try and make an adjustment and then new travel restrictions or other health developments could occur. And instead of trying to kind of like, how do we how do we get ahead of this thing? Maybe stop and see where it's going. And I think this is a really smart move. I mean, it's not ideal, and there could be some impacts that later on we go, wow, that really hurt it. But if it's a decision that says we don't know what's happening and we need to stop trying to you know, jump to the next stepping stone, crossing the river kind of thing because the water's covering the stones now, you need to stop. Either let the tide <laughs> recede a bit or, or find another way. I'm not saying that my example was really perfect on that one, but the idea being – you can start jumping, and if you don't know where you're going, you can really find yourself in a bad predicament. But if you stop and assess the situation, you have an opportunity to make a, a better move or get a better understanding of, of what your moves need to consider. Kelly, how about you? Yeah, I think um, 
despite any delays that this could possibly cause in the the overall production of this movie, it's a decision that, you know, seems to be made for the safety and the well-being of the cast, the crew, and the people in their lives and the people who are in immediate contact with them. Um, so yeah, it's I I have nothing for nothing but support for any company or any production who's choosing to do this, even just as a safety precaution. Um, hopefully we won't see too many delays. Hopefully this movie is able to still come out in the right time frame and whatnot. But yeah, I, I would much rather it be, well, they were two weeks later than they were supposed to be than, you know, crew members or one of the stars got sick or, you know, a family member of theirs got sick because of it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, an unfortunate decision, but it's necessary. Um, and yeah. actually, so oh, Brad? Oh, go ahead. I was saying that, and uh, you know, I I would agree with Seth that they probably really kind of did the numbers and decided that it would be cheaper to shut it down than and more effective than moving it to Liverpool. So I kind of, in that way, I kind of trust Warner Brothers to make that right decision. I'm sure it wasn't easy, but I think in the end, it'll be best for the production and, and everything. Yeah. Plus, I also was thinking about it and going back to what Kelly was saying, too. Who knows what sort of safety risks you might have been putting your cast and crew in by having them travel from one location or another, not knowing what you know circumstances you think you're going from to. You know, there's so much developing news. It seems like more and more we're discovering how people in pockets are crossing paths with each other and the risk sort of expands and expands. And with all that going on, um, I, I think in the end, when it came down to all decision-making financially, health and responsibility, safety of everyone, you don't even know where you're going to in Liverpool. You don't even know what that environment, you could have less adequate health services. Um, it could be that they're already stressed because there's an outbreak by the time you get settled. It feels like there was so much uncertainty that, yeah, the responsible thing was just to go, you know what, in the best interests of everything, let's stop and see where this goes. And in the meantime, can we figure out a way that's our path forward without having these other factors influence us? And if we can't, well, should we really be making a bunch of moves right now? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, that is another great segue into now we have our TV and streaming news, although in a sense, this first bit is more of the same. Um, Warner Brothers has suspended production on all of their TV shows. That includes Batwoman, The Flash, um, Lucifer, Pennyworth and Supergirl. Um, Brad, what did you think? I think that, uh, you know, it's again, it's absolutely necessary. And I think the delays won't be that hard for fans to deal with. It just means that the season finales will hit a little later in the year into June rather than May. Um, so I, I think that overall, I think that's just smart and I think people understand and I don't think it will be all that much of a disruption for the fans who, who watch these shows. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I, I completely agree that this is something that not only fans will understand and respect, but I think that in a way we're all seeing this happen in the places where we love to go. And that that means we're kind of stopping and seeing how widespread it is and then recognizing the impact of, of just what 
we're all trying to come to copes with and or come to cope with and uh, come to grips with is probably a better and in the process have that degree of understanding that says hey take a minute look around your loved ones are here if they're healthy be blessed be thankful if they're not take care of them be there for them you you have these other things that are no longer going on as a distraction in your life. Take a look around at what's happening in your life that you can put more attention into right now. And hey, go back and watch some stuff you love if you still miss it. There's plenty of seasons. You've got all these platforms available. The new stuff's coming back out and maybe this is an opportunity to you know, bring another family member into the fold and say, Hey, I know it can feel a little difficult right now, but these are shows that I watch that give me reminders of of hope. Uh, I immediately think of Supergirl and the storyline they had the past year with, uh, oh goodness, I can't think of the name of the uh, the big bad, but the way that there was this sort of toxic environment and the way that there was this idea of us versus them and and how it really navigated that. I thought impressively and in the meantime you've got great stories like that to look back on and I think uh, that degree of understanding is just going to continue as we start to recognize how many things we love are being affected and how much we'll appreciate them when they have the opportunity to come back and in the meantime sort of have as much reflection as possible. Kelly how about you? Yeah, um, I I have to agree. And actually, one of the things we love to say on this show, uh, it's our closing for every show, but this whole thing gives you an opportunity to read more comics. Because I, if if our listeners, if you guys are anything like me, you probably have a stack of books and comics and other things that you've been like, oh yeah, I'm going to get to that and read that. Well, now we can't go out and do as many things as we used to be able to do. So read some comics <laughs> you know it's it, she doesn't can, get paid to say that <laughs> not. <laughs> that was awesome kelly brilliant brilliant way to bring it back around to the tagline um that's really and it's really smart i do have a stack and i have been able to whittle my way through so great point right yeah this is it's it's almost like having a very big very terrifying snow day in the worst way where you're just kind of stuck in the house and yeah just just read more comics that's that's all i got (laughs) (laughs) yeah but when it's that brilliant what else do you got to say huh (laughs) so luckily our last bit of tv news is non-delay and non-coronavirus related um runaways actor elliot fletcher has been cast in the why the last man series um Brad, I know you're a fan of Why the Last Man. What did you think? Yeah, I'm a big fan and so excited that this is actually going to become a reality after so long. Um, uh, so, yeah, I have uh, – this actor was in uh, Runaways, so I did see that, uh, liked him in that. Uh, I did find it interesting that uh, they just came out as trans. So my thing is I wonder how they're going to or if they're going to somehow bring that into – uh, into the show because gender does play such a role in the show so uh, I'm curious how they're going to uh, to to use that aspect 
Uh, Seth, what do you think? Brad, I need your help. Really need your help right now. I cannot recognize him from Runaways. What season? I, who was he? Yeah, he was Max. Now, um, that was, I believe, in the second season, a small okay. uh, arc in the second season. Okay, what did he do? What was the I, – I, help me get get into this because I'm looking at him and I'm like, nope, show it to my wife. And we just yeah, watched seasons I one could, through three. You know, I was like <laughs> – yeah, I, I, I did the same thing with – I was like, I couldn't, I couldn't place it um, as far as like – I kind of just bits and pieces. And and the funny thing is, is I'm like, man, now I got to go and rewatch some of that. Exactly. So, I can't yeah. remember who Max is. It's killing yeah. me. Kelly, do you, did you watch Runaways? You know, granted, it's a Marvel show. So whatever. Hate me. Blah, blah, blah. But Kelly, did you, <laughs> did you watch Runaways or uh, have you or do you? Oh, OK. No problem. That's okay. <laughs> See, you know, Kelly's a loyalist. Nothing, nothing to worry about here, folks. We'll have to come back to this next week. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm kind of like, all right, dude, who is Max? Where, where, you know, so that's the hardest part for me is I want to have a reference point because I was really pleased with what they did with Runaways. I, I think it was a great show, no matter, you know, what the company house is. And we're all big fans of great comics. So it was just good comic book storytelling. Season three was a treat for me as well. But looking back on this, I wanted to have a stronger connection. So that's my hardest thing right now. I don't know who he was. Clearly, I'm not, you know, whatever you want to call me, go ahead and say it. But I don't remember Max from Runaways, and now I'm troubled by it. So I'm hoping that he'll be this great sort of, you know, reintroduction for me with Why the Last Man. And I tap out to Kelly. What you got? I I mean, I have so little to give, unfortunately, because <laughs> I haven't seen Runaways, so I am not familiar with this actor. Um, yeah, Brad, that is an interesting point you brought up, that um, if the actor just came out as trans, then... Will that have any impact on how they play the role? Um, is it just sort of, is that something that isn't going, more of, are they going to just play the character as as it's written? Or is that going to be part of it? I, I'm interested to see. Um, especially it, why The Last Man obviously does have a very big emphasis on, you know, there being a, a last man. So it's, it's interesting. It's going to be, a, yeah, a good show. And I'm looking forward to seeing how exactly and if that plays a role in the actual show itself. Um, but unfortunately, as far as their acting ability, I have nothing to offer. Um, except that we're going to go on a quick ad break. So hang out and we will be right back. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News here to tell you about the spinner rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. 
Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Welcome back, everybody. I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News, and this is episode 63. Um, We are just about to start off on our comic book news, relating back to all of the good books that are coming out, being delayed, or have just been announced. Um, And it's starting with the Vic, sorry, Vic, Victor and Nora, a Gotham love story, um, which is about Mr. Freeze before he's Mr. Freeze. And his very pivotal love interest, his wife, Nora. Um, Brad, what did you think? I think the story is going to be uh, kind of cool. Uh, and it's a cool, it's a good idea. I always I always like seeing uh, villains get humanized. And this is definitely going to be showing a more sympathetic side uh, to uh, to Mr. Freeze. I think that's going to be uh, very interesting to see. Uh, and so far, I think the DC has kind of knocked it out of the park with all with these YA graphic novels that they've done uh, over the past uh, over the past year. So, you know, I think this will continue continue that trend uh, for sure. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Seth, what do you think? This sounds like such a lovely story, and I'm really impressed by the approach to show it in a, a young young adult category to tell it with that sort of um, lens and filter. And I really was intrigued by the fact that when they were talking about doing the research, that, yeah, Victor is a very compelling character, but so is Nora. And um, if you've had a chance to read the recent Detective Comics storyline, that really came to a, a, a fun development because it's always been so often portrayed, you know, it's Victor. He must get back his love. He must reunite with his love. And we got a chance to see a bit of Nora saying, yeah, I've got some stuff to say about how you've been viewing me and what you've been doing in my name or, you know, for our love. And I love the idea of getting a chance to see more about her through this approach in this story. It sounds like a great approach. Um, Brad really nailed it. They have been hitting these out of the park. At some point, we're going to start talking other baseball comparisons like Grand Slams and blah, blah, blah. But they've they've really been just on a great course, much like, you know, I don't know if you heard him a little while back, but Brad made this really great comment that I'm not going to forget for a long time now. And it was that it seems right now with DC, we're in a golden age. There's this amazing ability to just turn in every direction and see beautiful content, just really great stuff coming out. And this is another great example of that. Kelly, how about you? Yeah, um, I definitely am really excited to see more of Nora's perspective in the story. Just that then I am such a big Mr. Freeze fan on the grounds that from 
his his first scene, they made him such a sympathetic character where it, it, this man's tragically lost the love of his life. All of his actions as a supervillain come from that loss. Um, so to see the flip side of that, I mean, every every relationship kind of has two two sides to the looking glass, essentially. There's the way the one person sees it and the way the other person sees it. And even though they're experiencing the same relationship, it can be very different um, depending on whose eyes you're looking through. So I think I, I would say this is up there on on my list of books that I'm really excited to read. Um, and that and if Nora Freeze somehow, you know, by whether or not she really would approve of his methods, but clearly there is something about this relationship and this connection that really pushed him to become a, a different sort of person. So to see that develop and to see sort of what their place is in it will be really, really captivating, I think. So I am very excited. And so moving right along, we have um, coming out hopefully in June, uh, the Batman crossover event, the Joker War, is going to be hitting what what we we call them stands, hitting shelves, shelves. Uh, Brad, what did you think? Uh, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, you know, I, I gotta say, and maybe you guys can help fill fill me in here, is I'm a little bit uh, behind on what's going on in the Batman comics to an extent. Um, you know, I there was all this big rush that Batman was at 90 that was going to go back to a second printing, and it was this important issue. Uh, and I picked it up, and I read it, and I wasn't exactly sure why. So I'm just kind of curious if, th- if that was part of leading up to this Joker War, and there's an issue of Robin that's coming out that's, that's supposed to be leading up to this. But um, beyond my own, I guess, little slight ignorance on this right now uh it, it does I'm, i am looking forward looking forward to the joker war um it's already punchline is is breaking the internet in a way and i think that from what i can tell uh she's gonna play a big part in in joker war so uh yeah it should be should be a good summer for uh for batman uh seth what are your thoughts yeah um i'm I'm not sure if I can help, <laughs> but what, what was the question about what what was? Uh, well, I was just I, I I I just wasn't sure, especially with Batman '89, if that was supposed to be some kind of lead up to it. Uh, I just wasn't sure what the big deal was about that that particular issue and why it was rushed back to uh, second printing. And when I went to get it at the comic shop, it wasn't even out in the shelves; it was held behind the counter, and I had to ask for it. So and I'm thinking, oh, this must be really important. And then I read it, and maybe I maybe I just I, I missed something, but it just didn't seem like anything that super significant had happened. So I thought okay. maybe the whole thing was kind of like starting, getting the balls rolling on what was going to turn out to be Joker War. So I just was I just wasn't sure if if either you guys had known that. I didn't know that it was a tie-in to Joker War, if and how it is. Um, this, like the uh, previous story, is something we could probably use from our Bat Maniac, Mr. Steve J. Ray, and yeah, all the sort of exactly. insights he would be providing to it. What I do know is that more recently, and I feel like it's been out enough that 
I, I don't have to worry too much about spoiling, but I won't get into too many details. But the idea is that we've got other characters arriving as well, besides Punchline. Um, are you familiar with the designer? Well, the designer was in Batman uh, 90. And maybe that was the thing. I didn't realize that that character was going to have such. Because if you read the issue, you understand why I didn't understand why that character had yeah. such a big part to play. Yeah. Um, he was teased a little bit, that. I believe, in 89 and then was made a full appearance in 90. Kind of like they teased a little bit with Punchline and then did the full appearance, right? I think that's how. Yeah, that's what happened. But yeah. uh, I'll just leave it at that. I don't want to give any spoilers away. Okay. Well, I know the other big thing is that right now there's uh, a pact that was made between all the villains. Yes, and, that's, and that happened in that issue. Yeah, that yeah so with that pact involved, there's also a lot of consequences that seem to be coming out of it because through the pact was also uh, a series of, I love this word lately, machinations. And yeah. through those, a lot of different storylines. Like I feel like uh, James Tynan, Tinian, who the name, another name I'm just going to ruin, um, has done this thing in those issues where he's basically said, this is the seed of everything that's coming. And in it, I'm going to tell you about what the big thing is, which is everybody had a plot or was part of this plot. And then the storylines for each one is going to be how the characters plots play out now that they've, you know, now that we know that they're potentially able to do certain things and what they're going to do. Um, and I think that among them, the Jokers was considered to be one of the most terrifying um, so with that idea, we're now seeing that sort of uh, foreshadowing play out into the Joker War. So that could be part of the yeah, big thing. Yeah, that, that does actually clear things up now because that does make that does make more sense. Okay, um, that, that's what, what happens written. in that issue. I mean, okay. Yeah. Uh, gotcha, so gotcha. you know, my grasp was that you know this is where basically he sort of said, you know, and, and I kind of saw this. I think I want to say it was in Justice League where it was like. This is what we're facing, and this is what we have to try and do in order to overcome it. And hang on, because that's the ride now. Like you're at the top of a roller coaster, and you can look down and go, "Oh, there's all of this stuff coming." And now it's the the tear through issue by issue because it's no longer a question of what's happening. You know what's happening. It's how it's happening. I guess. Does that make sense too? Yeah. 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 Um. Yeah. So that's that's kind of how I've been taking it. Um. Now that I've done my rant, Kelly. What's your take on this uh, this Joker War lead-in and uh, the elements that are supposed to make it such a compelling crossover? Yeah, um, I I wouldn't say I'm extremely excited. I think I, I'm I'm mildly excited. I I might check it out. I might not. Um, and one of the things that I I think stuck with me the most reading the solicitations for the tie-ins for this. Um, specifically with Batgirl, I ha- I've on and off again enjoyed different Batgirl titles. Um, I really like Cecil Castellucci. I like what she's been doing with Batgirl lately. Um, and then I was a huge fan of Gail Simone's Batgirl during the um, the New Fifty Two. But reading the solicitation for her, it's kind of it seems like they're going with the route of you know, crazy Joker toxin. She's reliving the traumas of her past and, you know, can she overcome it? Which is 
fine, except I'm starting to feel like that's almost a theme with Batgirl, that whenever something big is happening, it's always kind of her coping with past trauma, if that, if that makes any sense, which is, and that's part of what I like so much about um, the new 52 Batgirl, was watching Barbara cope with PTSD after being shot by the Joker and watching her kind of come back into her own as a superhero. Um, but it's, it's been enough titles now and enough events now that I'm kind of starting to get a little wary of, you know, I, I almost feel like this is the, the, I don't know, the persona that she's adopted at this point. Um, and it doesn't come out so much in her own titles lately as in the actual crossover events, which is a little bit problematic because for some readers, they'll never read or they don't read the actual Batgirl, but they'll read the tie-in and kind of that's the impression it gives. So it's, I mean, I, I'm conflicted on the grounds that that is part of the complexity that I liked about her character, but it just seems to be a theme that keeps coming up as like the 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 clincher. And I I just don't know over time if that's going to start to be a little bit damaging to the whole Barbara Gordon character. I think that makes it tough. I think that's a, a big challenge because for a lot of these characters, so much of who they are as their identities, as we've come to sort of recognize them is based on the defining sort of experiences they have like Jason Todd and the crowbar. That's just always going to be there. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just something it's like, Jason Todd is Robin. Oh, yeah, but Joker with a crowbar. Like, every time Joker picks up a crowbar, I'm like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> how many times do we got to go through this? Like, how many times? And yet it's it's how we got to the Jason Todd and the Red Hood that we have now, you know? Um, and I think it's it's difficult because I agree. Like, there's a part of me that's like, okay, how many times do we have to talk about how much this changed who Barbara was? It did a lot. But it, does that have to be all she is, is always defining herself from that moment on? Or whenever she's dealing with something difficult, it, it has to go back to that as being, you know, where her hardest you know, struggle was or where the root of all of her current problems are. That seems kind of limiting um, in some ways. So I think it's a challenge because I think at some point, if if you're going to have the character move beyond that, for whatever reason... And whatever the storyline's coming after, and I'm 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 gonna do the hopeful thing again because I remember recently Robert Venditti was talking about his Justice League storyline, and he was saying, look, I have to set up all of these small trials that push and you know make the Justice League team struggle in a lot of ways so they can be strong enough for the big bigger things we're gonna throw at them later. Now I don't know if in some way this means with Batgirl that they want to try and take all the elements that came with the trauma of her experience from Joker and have her find different ways in storytelling to move past them. So eventually she's no longer the character defined by that, by what method she used to overcome it. But without that clear understanding of knowing that that's where they're going to, it does feel like this is the place they keep coming back to. And the reasoning isn't clear, which makes it harder to justify why they're doing it. So I think that, that sort of is the biggest struggle for me. And in a lot of ways, I, I feel the echoes when I heard you describing it, Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, well, initially part of the reason that, because it's that, that whole portion of the killing joke wasn't, you know, we kind of know just from, I guess, 
DC history that it wasn't intended by Alan Moore to actually be a be anything past a one shot, and now it is, so it's canon. And then even in in this story, it sounds like I mean, it says she's reliving the most traumatic events of her life, but it also includes um, you know a lot of the family drama that's happened with her dad and her brother. And in any case, even if they do take a direction that's kind of a pivot from the events of the killing joke and how that would have affected her, it's still that that whole idea of just Barbara Gordon's got to get over trauma, got to get over trauma. And it's it's in like every every story that features her. I I don't know. It's This is one of those half-hearted rants for me because on one hand, I'm like, well, I still really like what they do with Batgirl. It's just every time that, you know, the trauma comes back up. I'm like, all right, but in every event, is it always about the terrible things that she's lived through, which I guess is a thing with superheroes in general. But I mean, you you see a lot of Batman stories where it's not he's facing the ghosts of his past over and over again. It's it's a common theme, but it's not in every event, if if that makes sense. But anyway, that is my my whole Joker war side rant. Um, our next bit of news is that The Last God is actually coming back for a second printing. Um, Brad, have you been able to pick that up? Have you checked it out? I haven't. I've, I've picked up the first two issues. Uh, so uh, on a personal level, I'm kind of glad that it's coming back for a second printing because I think I did miss the first printing of it. So uh, I, I think I will be picking this up. And I'm glad to see that it's uh, such a success. It seemed like a very risky title in a way because it was a new new property, new characters, and, uh, and it was like fantasy, not superhero. So it was kind of hard to see how people would respond to that. So I'm glad to see that that people are liking it. Uh, it's a it's a pretty fun story. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I'm gonna keep this rant to a minimal, but man, I'm a huge sucker for this. I've been reading it all the way through. Um, it's doing this great thing where it reminds me of Beowulf. You know, there's that like concept of the great warrior defeating an evil and then finding out later, well, now that it's, you know, so many decades later, here's the really way it happened. But it's approaching it in this great way in which it tells the story from the past, which is the events leading up to whatever the big event was supposed to be, and the present, which is dealing with the aftermath of that and the consequences. I mean, the art is absolutely gorgeous. Um, Yeah. And the storytelling depth, if you get into like the third and fourth issues and start reading the back sections, there's like five or six pages of like thick prose it takes you back to the sort of sword and sorcery fantasy books of my youth at the uh, library and the layers of storytelling not only that but the events that have led to the characters where they are they're, they're talking about hundreds of years and there's characters whose like whole existences only play out in those pages but they were reflected in the comics it's it's really quite lovely i'm really encouraged by the fact that you know, Brad point out, I thought this was a big risk when it was coming out, but I saw those pictures when we first announced this on the, the podcast and I was like, I think I'm getting it. And then I got it and I was like, oh, I think I'm in trouble. I think I'm just going to, yep, guys, put it on my list. Thanks. And every time I pick it up, I'm sucked into some really great storytelling. I can read one of those books for an hour and feel like, 
might need to reread this again because it was really, you know, thick, uh, layered. Uh, I'm really pleased for this development and this announcement. And it's been a fun ride for me so far. So I'm looking forward to uh, how many more audience members they can get with a second printing. How about you, Kelly? Yeah, um, I think with with your glowing review right there, they might just get another one in me because that actually sounds fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, that, I am surprised, or not surprised, but happy that it's doing as well as it is considering, um, you know, it seems like DC's black label books have been doing really well. Um, and with Vertigo gone now and whatnot, this seems like a book that would have you know, swung more towards the vertigo side of the fence, but at least it shows that these sort of outlandish, not necessarily uh, cut and dry type superhero stories are doing really well from DC. Um, Yeah, that sounds amazing. And although I will say that I didn't enjoy reading Beowulf, but I, you know, I think that was mostly out of, I never read it on time and I would always did terribly on the reading quizzes. But yeah, I, this is a book I will definitely pick up. <laughs> when you get a chance, reread Beowulf. It's really lovely. Uh, I, I don't know if the movie does it justice. I'm not one of those people who's going to, you know, paint paint the divisions there. Watch it, too, if you want. Um, but it, it, it's one of those early examples of storytelling that I think Last God draws a lot of great references to, as well as all the other sword and sorcery stuff. So if you didn't love Beowulf, it's okay. If you happen to like any sort of like adventuring and intrigue with horrifying monsters that really, like if these ever showed up in the upside down, I, I don't know if kids would be allowed to watch Stranger Things, but it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. And I love that I feel like I'm picking up a work of art you know, you get that from a lot of great comics, but when it feels like they're painted on the page like these are, you, you kind of think to yourself, like, this is something gorgeous, right? Like, like a Fabergé egg or, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, they don't pay me for this, but, yeah, I, I, I'm going to continue with the glowing reviews on this book. I I was really impressed. And it came out right around the same time. Have you guys heard of Berserker or Berserker Unbound? It was like a four-issue. Oh, limited a Jeff Lemire, right? Uh, One of the writers I really like, because I noticed that it had come out yeah. in a collected edition, and I was like, oh, i got to check that out, and then I, I haven't been able to yet. But I didn't know they had the collected. Yeah, I got the four issues, and it, it was another great example of, like, what happens when a really good writer takes a really old concept and makes it fresh? And these are both great examples. The Last God is doing it to a degree that I'm like, wow, this is kind of like a, you know... Uh, not quite a Game of Thrones, but definitely falls into like a Wheel of Time or sprawling, you know, narrative. Um, and it's pretty. It's just pretty. <laughs> the Fabergé <laughs> egg of comics. I love it. <laughs> I have moments. <laughs> <laughs> so that leads us into our next bit of news, which is that there is a new Wonder Woman graphic novel coming out, but not Wonder Woman in the sense of Diana Prince slash Diana of Themyscira, but a Wonder Woman of History graphic novel um, set to come out on December 1st, 2020. Um, Brad, what did you think? I think this will be a fun read. And honestly, I think that um, I, if I do and when I do read it, I think I will learn a lot. And that that intrigues me. I think this is going to be 
a fun a fun book and it's going to be i think i definitely like a great christmas gift for or hanukkah gift for uh like a like your niece or your daughter or whoever who who could learn a lot from this so i think this will be a cool little book seth what do you think I think this is exactly that, a, a cool little book, one that really lets you know that, yes, we can always be inspired by the, the great examples of Wonder Woman in comics and media, but take a look around. There are some, I mean, <laughs> world slash potentially universe changing women out there who the things they're doing and the things they've done, they're stories that should be told should be retold, should be shared and reshared. And this is a great way to do it. Um, I'm encouraged by it simply because of the fact that when I looked at some of these names, I just sort of paused, looked at my wife like, hey, check this out. (laughs) This is a great story. And immediately her ears perked up as soon as she heard the different names, whether uh, you're talking about uh, Greta Thunberg or whether you're talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I think the fact that their stories have... Uh, generated so much appeal recently is something that to me just says well then keep telling more of their stories clearly people want to hear them mm-hmm. and if you give this to them they're going to you know not only benefit from it but be able to do the same which you share it with others kelly how about you yeah um, i'm i'm really excited about this book it actually reminds me of there was I forget if it was a WordPress or a Tumblr that I used to follow when I was in high school. And it was, um, it, I think it was called Rebel Princesses, but basically it was stories of women through history and the artist who would write the story animated them as if they were, you know, the, in that classic Disney princess style. But it was these really cool, like badass different women. Um, and I, it was the most fun blog. I used to check it every single week when something new was up. Um, and th- this kind of sounds like something in that same vein where it's really cool, uh, actual stories that, if anything, will be really inspiring to people who read it. Um, and then just kind of being a Wonder Woman nerd, I know for a little bit back in the golden age, um, I think it was when William Moulton Marsden was still writing Wonder Woman. He had a section called Wonder Woman of History. Um, in I, I don't know if it was the front or the back, but in every issue that would kind of you know, talk about a different figure, a different woman who's done something cool, um, which back in the 1940s was, you know, sort of a groundbreaking thing. So the fact that they're sort of taking this tradition forward um, and still making it accessible to DC readers and and all readers is really cool. I, I like the idea. And then that takes us into um, Somewhat distressing news, the DC's generation event is missing from the June 2020 solicitations. Um, Brad, did you have have anything on that? Uh, To me, I think this was almost uh, kind of expected with the uh, departure of Dan DiDio. I think that that might have a factor to play in in this. So I can't say I was too shocked. Although I am am excited to read these stories, so I hope they can, uh, you know, figure that out. Uh, as soon as possible, but it did seem like uh, Dan DiDio did have a lot of uh, a lot of say in how the story was playing out. So that's not really surprising to me at all. Uh, Seth, what do you think? 
Yeah, I wasn't too surprised as I read through this story and saw how much it appeared his hand was um, playing a, a part in guiding it to whatever direction it was going to play out to. It looks like uh, the different generations um, and based on recent developments, it appears as though instead of trying to push ahead with something that he might have had, you know, the best knowledge about or had the clearest direction in, in making occur, that instead, from what I could be reading into this, is the fact that it affected other events that were going on. Because uh, we've got this uh, tweet from Snyder saying that, you know, did things change Dark Knight's death metal? The answer is yes, it became bigger in all ways. So if there was an opportunity to tell more stories from that area and let Generation Zero sort of fall to the wayside until it could either be picked up or be left as something that can only be executed by the person who just left, then this sounds like a good way of, of not trying to split your time between the two events, focus on one, maybe expand it a bit, and work with what you know you've already got in place with people who can guide it there instead of trying to pick up somebody else's notes and pull something together that can lead to a lot of difficulties. Kelly, how about you? Yeah, um, I totally agree. I think if it has to be pushed off for the sake of better storytelling, then that's that's what has to be done. And I, I know we've talked about that before with books being delayed and whatnot, that if it's for creative reasons, because they genuinely want to make sure that when this comes out, it is the best possible story, um, that's always forgivable. That's always an okay thing. And actually, that ties right into our next bit of news. Um, Shazam, which has been delayed for 38 years now, is coming back with a new creative team in June. Um, Brad, are you excited? What did you think? I, I, I'm excited that I, I hope that this can just get it back uh, on track as far as uh, release schedules and things like that. Uh, I, I think that I, whatever is going on with Jeff Johns, hopefully it's just a matter of being too busy. That if he can step back from this, this new team can come in and get the train back on the rails and we won't have to wait the 38 years between between issues anymore. So I, I think in the long run, this is definitely going to be a good thing for the title. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I think I'm old. 38 years. That puts me somewhere in my <laughs> early 80s. That's that's just creepy. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm like 81 now. Um and if this is how I sound, well, then yay, 81. But yeah, 38 years is a long time to wait between issues. That's difficult. It shouldn't happen. Um, I also feel like this is um, a wise decision just based on what's led up through these past 12 issues. If you're having difficulties and you can pinpoint the problem, if you recognize where there's stress points in any project structure team and you can alleviate those, this is a really great way to do it. Bring in a new team, people who have uh, not so many irons in the fire right now, and let this title have an opportunity to get on track and really do all the things that it was setting us up for. And we still have an audience base that wants to experience more Shazam. So let's do it with a team that's not quite so busy, and hopefully things will get back on track because... I've loved the direction it's going. I just struggle with waiting in between issues, 38 years and all. Kelly, how about you? <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, I think, and we've, 
talked about this book in particular so many times. Um, just sort of the frustration with the delays, the fact that they were in that really great hub of Shazam had just come out. Everyone was very uh, excited about the movie. Um, so I'm happy to see that they're picking it up again. And even if it's with a new team, just the fact that the story is being continued and it, it'll maybe wrap up right around the time that, say, Black Adam or, you know, even a Shazam 2 is starting to gear up. So it's I'm glad that they're continuing it. I really hope it's the same quality book as it was with the previous team. Um, but yeah, if if what they needed was a change in team, then fine, good. Just give us a story. And so we also, I love that. <laughs> just, I love that. Just give us a story. Come on. <laughs> give us something. It's been 38 years. <laughs> I don't know where I got that number. <laughs> I don't know, but, you know, it aged me. <laughs> <laughs> on the inside. On the inside. Um, <laughs> so another number, um, DC House of Whispers number 22 will be the final issue. It looks like the series is ending um, in this upcoming June. And that's one of the Sandman spinoffs that we were seeing. Brad, what do you think? Uh I, I'm hoping that that they'll bring it back, that there's something going on that they're because dreaming's ending, but they're relaunching that. So I'm hoping that there's something they have in mind for the Sandman universe that they're just not releasing to the public yet. And that's why they're wrapping up these titles for the time being instead of not selling well and things like that. So hopefully there will be some big news from the Sandman universe down the line in a little bit. Uh, Seth, what do you think? Yeah, I'm also going to hope for the same thing, simply because when I have had a chance to include it and read through it, it it's a very specific and unique storytelling style. There's so many different elements that come into play. It's one of the things I really appreciate about the Sandman universe titles is that when you're introduced to each story, whatever your expectations from the last issue were, they're challenged by new approaches the recognition that you're not limited to the same sort of physical world and the limitations that come with it, how much you can be creative. This was a great example of that. And the concepts that were being put into play, um, they were they made some really great storytelling as well as some really great moments within the art. And I thought the things that it did well, it did masterfully. So I'm, I'm encouraged that they can, you know, find... Uh, another avenue, another direction, like we're seeing with the dreaming. But in the meantime, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how this storyline wraps up and then what potential seeds it could be sowing for the future or if we just see a, uh, a new direction entirely at some point down the line. Kelly, how about you? Yeah, um, I, I agree with all of that, honestly. I don't have a ton more to contribute, um, except really that, yes, it's, I hope it's something we see again. Um, but right now it seems like they're really, it, they're hitting a big with Sandman. So we have no idea where they're going to take it, um, next as far as books go. And a lot of that might hinge on how well the Netflix series does, but yeah, hopefully we see it come back again. That, that would be the ideal. Um, and so our next piece of news, I'm going to try very hard not to butcher this name, but Cy 
Furrier, if I'm saying that right, is taking over DC's Justice League title, um, starting with number 48 in June. Um, Brad, what did you think? Uh, it's another one of those things where um, I, 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 you know, Seth has the hope and I have the optimism. Uh, whenever I see like new creative teams announced, I'm always my first instinct is always to be positive about it. I'm like, what are these? What is this new team going to bring to it? And that's kind of where I'm at with this: is that I'm um, I'm interested to see what what uh, Cy Spurrier, if I pronounce that correctly, uh, brings into it. So I'm 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 curious. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I'm right there with you. It felt like we had one creative team running Justice League for a very long time. And then there was the announcement of the shift. And it was a little abrupt because it felt like the uh, storyline that uh, sort of got interrupted and the new storyline that Robert Venditti started threw me off a little bit. But I also know that the desire was to eventually continue that on into these other books we'll be talking about. Um, but what I've seen from venditti's approach and, I, and i've loved the stuff that he's done i mean i even remember reading him from curse of brimstone i i loved what he's doing in uh in hawkman and seeing what he did with the eradicator storyline has been a lot of fun so now i'm thinking to myself okay so maybe we're not having you know these long stretches of just one team on a book maybe teams are moving around a bit a little bit i'm encouraged as well uh by the uh the the I can't think of the word, the transition, the takeover, the uh, assuming of responsibilities by Cy Spurrier. Um, but what I saw in that quick little glimpse image and what I've experienced with the most recent team lets me know, like, OK, maybe we've got the Justice League at a place where we can start, you know, having different teams shift in, tell different arcs and not worry about sort of trying to get this big 30, 40 issue, you know, uh, collection underway each time that along the way we can tell these great little segments that are just nice tight strong stories and then another team comes in so uh, i'm looking forward to what this new team is going to do it sounds like a cool title uh how it comes to to play itself out in the story i'm looking forward to to experiencing kelly how about you yep the uh the passing of the torch <laughs> which i think especially with a book like Justice League, you can have any creative comic fan come to the story and bring something that'll be new and intriguing and exciting um, because everybody looks at the Justice League and the members of the Justice League differently. So I, I'm i excited. Yeah, I, I don't think, I don't know, for me, Justice League isn't one of those books where I feel like I need a, a specific sort of trusted writer on. I kind of like it when writers who maybe I haven't read a lot of before or, or artists who I haven't seen a lot of before bring something to the table um, just to see all these different iterations of the Justice League. So yeah, I, I'm hopeful, which is, I'd like to say most of the time I, I err on the side of hopefulness, but I don't know, maybe maybe I'm the, the Debbie Downer of the group, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really wish the best for Sai. I'm just going to go with the first name for Sai. <laughs> well done. <laughs> <laughs> and so actually this uh, this next piece is a little bit back into the waters that we don't like to swim in. Um, Metal Men number seven and number eight has been pushed back from March to April. Um, Brad, what did you think? 
I think it's another one of those Dan DiDio, uh related issues. Uh, he's the writer of the series, so it makes sense that with everything that's going on with him in DC over the past few weeks that this would be a little bit delayed. So uh, it's unfortunate, but probably not not to be uh, it's not unexpected for this to happen since he's the the writer. Uh, Seth, what do you think? Completely agreed. Um, it makes all the sense in the world. I love this little tweet that was included with the story um, from uh, Shane Shane Davis, just sort of saying, "Hey, um, don't worry. Talked with Dan. We've still got a plan. It's going to finish on you know twelve issues. It's going to go all the way through." I was the artist working on it. Whoever the writer is that'll come in will know whatever the plot line was. And really, um, I've enjoyed Metal Men. I've had a chance to read it. I'm kind of a sucker for that. I don't know what it is about those quirky little characters and the way they're so in many ways flawed, much like their creator. Uh, But the version that they've been telling uh, through this arc with the nth middle man and this idea about those flaws being exposed and what it's doing to the team and, and what it could be revealing for their future has been a really cool approach and something that hopefully won't be too delayed as a new writer is chosen, collective team gets to work and we get a chance to see this story kind of finish out. I don't love when these announcements are made, but you know, as Brad already sort of pointed out from the get-go, this was something that was to be expected after, you know, Dan Didio's departure. So with that in mind, you know that whatever can be best done is going to be put in place. And these things will be coming out with dates that we now know a little bit later than we intended. But at the same time, they're still going to finish this story, which is great because I've really been enjoying it. I'm looking forward to its conclusion. And now I pass it over to Kelly. Yeah, um, I kind of have to echo you guys. Um, it's good that it's a uh, suspected, uh, an expected delay. Um, and also that, that tweet does actually help a lot. I think one of the things we talk about is the worst thing is when something's delayed or canceled and we just have no idea the circumstances surrounding it. But the fact that the artist working on the book is able to say, you know, don't worry about it. This is a short little little blip on the radar. We'll be back. Everything will be continued. It's still going to be, um, you know, the project that fans were expecting. As long as there's that kind of assurance, I, things happen. People leave. New people come in. It's it's not the end of the world. So yeah, I I have I, much like you two. I have hope. <laughs> <laughs> sure. And so our, our last bit of news is something that. I don't know if I would say hope, but it fills me, fills me with just the largest amount of joy. Um, Batman's monster truck is going to debut in Dark Knight's Death Metal number two. Um, Brad, what what did you think? 80 years and it's taken him this long to get a monster truck? Come on. <laughs> did you really? I mean, come on. I, I do love that it still looks like the Batmobile, which is big wheels. It's not like a it's not like Bigfoot pickup truck going on. Um but this this whole story looks completely bonkers, and I can't wait. <laughs> it's just going to be uh, so over the top. And I think that there's a certain segment of comic book fans that that absolutely love this type of story, and it's exactly what they look for when they pick up a comic book. And 
if they haven't been in the comic shops in a while, this will definitely bring them back in if they you know know about this ahead of time. Seth, what do you think? I'm thinking at some point they're going to have to come out with this toy, and I'm going to yeah. have to buy it for my nephew, Evan. Um, he loves <laughs> trucks. He's trucks. Uh, he just turned three, and he's just trucks. Um, so this this is something I might have to uh, you know send his way. If you've ever wanted Batman in a monster truck, this is your moment. So seize it, grab the issue. And if you've ever wondered about the idea of Lobo, Batman, Zombie Army, and Wonder Woman and Swamp Thing traveling the multiverse in a Batman monster truck, this too is your moment. I mean, there, there is an outlandish degree to this story, and yet there's so much of just caution to the wind, barrel straight ahead, and you know, along the way, pick up whatever makes for a fun story and then rush there. This this is a uh, this is a snowball turning into a avalanche. And I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes, because if nothing else, it's Batman in a monster truck. Kelly, vroom, vroom. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I am 100 percent one of those comic book fans that is automatically drawn to outlandish nonsense if i see something that looks bizarre i'm going to pick it up and i didn't i didn't know that i wanted in in my soul to see batman in a monster truck but now that i know it's coming i am very excited this it feels like uh i i don't know this must be what it's like to have like a a moment of divine intuition or something where it's like yes this is exactly what i've been looking for Wonder Woman with a chainsaw and Batman in a monster truck and <laughs> Lobo's zombie army, which is all of this sounds ridiculous and all of this sounds like so much fun. Um, I am I am all for it. If I had my own monster truck, I would be driving towards it now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, love, I love the truck phase. I feel like my little brother went through a truck phase too. And I wish he was still in it because then I would have a, a wholesome idea of what to get him for his 21st birthday. But unfortunately, the truck phase is gone. Um, but yeah, <laughs> this, is, this is fantastic. And I, I can't imagine what it's like for Alfred to have to wash this thing. But <laughs> in any Always bringing it back home to the logistics. <laughs> nice, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> you got Brad and I both like, does he use a ladder? Does he have like a, you know, flatbed truck with a hydraulic lift? How's this work? <laughs> I think if, if Alfred ever curses to himself alone in the bat cave, it's going to be while trying to wash this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I think I think that and trying to get a stain out of one of the outfits that he swears he can get out and still struggle with might might be the other one. Like ah ah, come on! This usually gets the blood out. Horrible animated short to just see Alfred going through the like like one of those silent Pixar shorts almost to just see Alfred going yeah. through the maintenance. <laughs> yeah, that would be so much fun, especially just like the idea of having him say, "Would there be anything else, sir?" And then closing the door to the bedroom and then going downstairs and picking up the ragged costume and going, well, let's start with the cleaning, then the mending. Then the <laughs> I have no idea the dread that's in the back of his mind every time he asks if there's going to be anything else. <laughs> 
especially then after all that work, like hanging it up and seeing a tear, new tear and being like, nope, trash. <laughs> Just in that perfect Pixar. <laughs> all that work for, never mind, get out of yep. new suit. <laughs> oh, that's great. That was fun. Nice one, Kelly. Thank you. Well, on that note, and with everlasting appreciation for Alfred, uh, that's going to bring our 63rd episode of the DC Comics News podcast to a close. Um, I have been Kelly Gaines and have been an M. Um, and if you would like to hear any more of my ridiculous ramblings, you can find me on DC Comics News doing um, opinion and editorial pieces or on Twitter at Kel Gaines Write. Uh, Brad, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter, FlickyB1, uh, writing news and reviews for DC Comics News. So I'm around. All right. All right. And Seth? You can also find me writing uh, reviews on DC Comics News or, uh, you know, just somewhere out there in the ether. Um, and if you enjoy the show or have any questions or, um, you know, input on comics or anything else DC related, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, as well as Stitcher. And you can follow DC Comics News, as well as our sister site, Dark Knight News, um, on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and YouTube. And that's at capital D, capital C, capital C-O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. Um, and once again, I have been Kelly Gaines with the wonderful Brad Filicky and Seth Singleton. And we would like to remind you guys all, as I said earlier, to read more comics. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>